race one at Melton on Saturday night is the Allied Express pace. And after that first conversation, I'll go with a really easy trivia question for you, Dan. Which horse in this race won New Zealand Cup Week in 2014 as a three-year-old? It was its first win. It's an amazing, it's been an amazing horse, this horse. Loving a Chevy? Loving a Chevy, hasn't he been? 2014, he was a three-year-old and he won in Cup Week in New Zealand. Staggering, really. Yeah, that's, um, it's extraordinary. He's got a, an amazing story. I, and I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people would have heard about it. Um, he got bitten by a snake and he all bar died. And, and, and having seen the vision, I remember interviewing, uh, Lance Justice and he had myself and, um, my radio partner in, in tears and genuine tears, like we were sobbing, um, uh, and, and showing us pictures. He used to use the, um, uh, the tractor and the bucket of the tractor to pick the horse up. Just think of that. Like the horse would be picked up in the bucket of the tractor uh, to shift him around because he couldn't move. It was. It's just. It's quite remarkable um, to think that he not only uh, lived but then came back and has won a number of metro races since yeah. that time. A great story. Beautiful story, actually. It is really and. I- it's not crazy. It's not crazy that he could perform in this race. Whether he wins, I don't know. But he's definitely improved at his two runs. And it's only, t- well, he won September last year at Metro level. So uh, best of luck to Leilani and, and Eva Justice in, in uh, with love in a Chevy. And haven't times changed there with the trainer and the driver and uh, mm. Lance, you know, he... In that moment, he never would have thought in his wildest dreams that Loving a Chevy would be raced and uh, trained and driven by those two people. Yeah, that's exactly right. The cousins, uh, Leilani Lance's daughter and Eva is is John's daughter and uh, they're combining. I think it's fantastic that they yeah. do that and um, I'm sure Leilani would love uh, Loving a Chevy as well. Um, very popular and he's getting into a class where, look, he's, he's ageing legs, um, well, uh, you know, as as much as he's getting older, he's into a, a class of race where you think he was taking on the best. He was somewhere yeah. between free for all and just below free for all for the majority of his, his career, and he's uh, now with a claim drawing barrier one. <laughs> Look, he's a horse you couldn't leave out here. So you haven't got him on top, have you? No, I haven't. No. <laughs> but the part of my heart wanted to put him on top. <laughs> yeah, I've got him for um, fourth. I, I just wanted to see something a little better from his last two, but I reckon. Look, it could be the sort of race if he didn't perform in, they might have to think about his future. But it's the race where from the barrier draw and over this distance, uh, he could lob into a really good spot and um, and he, he could easily finish in the top four. And it'd be a great story. We'd all love it. But uh, I just need to see something more uh, from him. But this might be the race where he can do that. Um, look, I thought... Uh, I, I wasn't dogmatic in any uh, thought process here. Magnetic Terra's drawn wide at 1,700. It's going to be pretty tough. Uh, Andy's very good at getting them um, forward first up. And, and look, I'd much prefer to be drawn 7 than 10 or 11 in a 1,700-metre race. So, But I think you'd have to push on, and therefore it can become vulnerable from out there. But I just didn't have the confidence to tip anything else. Um he might be the better each way bet if indeed the prices ever come up within the same 24-hour period of a race meeting nowadays so we can get a better idea. But I've got him on top, but I could very easily be swayed by anything that you say. Uh, seven magnetic terror. I mean, he's form last prep. You base it on the horses that he was up against, and they're very good. They're horses that would be odds on here. You're looking at Beach Memories, for an example. Now, Beach Memories was in this race. She would be... She'd be a dollar forty, 
And Knights Templar, another horse that uh, got Magnetic Terra's measure last year, would also be odds-on in this race. I think that's far stronger form, but it is um, uh, tempered by the fact it's first up and it's drawn barrier number seven. Um, others with chances, um, probably most of the others. It, w- it was hard to sort of yeah. um, fill in a confident top four, but I think Rooslin's right up there. Uh, I think Springfield Affairs going well enough, and yeah, I've found a spot for Love and a Chevy in the top four. But seven's my topic. Seven, two, four, one could easily have missed the winner. Uh, Aussie Playboy's first up. He's the sort of horse that needs racing, but he did lift last prep and was most consistent. He's the one that I'm worried about that I haven't put in. If I was prepared to put in Magnetic Terra first up, maybe I should have also put Aussie Playboy in first up. I think Magic Mike's a top four chance as well because he's so mm. he's so versatile, isn't he? He'll come around to the chair if they slacken off, and if they go hard, he'll keep coming. So uh, I had him in my top four, but I, I went with Captain Braveheart. I was a bit taken by this horse at Kilmore when I was there in my judging role. He ran third on that occasion. He went pretty well in, in what was actually a pretty good race in the end with Sande Mirakuru beating him home. I... Forgive him for his last two. He's drawn gate five or six at his last five starts, and he gets that position yeah. again. And I just think he gets driven pretty confidently, and I wasn't sure who would end up in front of this race. And I just wondered if Nathan Jack could get across and get to the front with Captain Braveheart. Might take him yeah. a little bit to get there, but and again, I'd love to see a market. If if I could get eleven dollars for him, that would be where I would be going in a race that I'm not overly confident on so uh I, I might be swaying you dan but don't get too swayed because i'm really it's a really tough race uh, it is i had magic mike as i said for a second i'm a shadow boxer should get a great run on the pegs might end up three back the pegs i think he's a top four chance not sure how he could win the race and and i had love in a chevy to run uh fourth i think he wasn't too bad last start he only got beaten 12 meters at ballarat from off the marker pegs and finished with ruslan who was on the pegs, so I think uh, he he is definitely a top four chance. Race two at Melton is the logical staffing solutions pace, and I, I saw this race as just a little bit easier. I think better be the bomb he's building, Dan, and I think he's just dropped back a class into a level that he really should be beating these. Better be the bomb. Oh, look, he was much better last start. No doubt about that. And you're right. It, when you look at, uh, say, the ratings with some horses, even though there's a bit of depth in the race, here's a horse that's been competing at the top level at, in grand circuit races. Mm. So with a bit of um, ordinary form, he comes back a bit in grade over the course of the last couple of uh, preparations. So you're right. It's a very winnable race. Captain Belisario, um, he's a rough-going horse, obviously yeah. with a fantastic motor. He was much better last start. Um, just that little bit of a gap between runs that always worries you when uh, he, he's a bit fresh because he can overdo it. His last start uh, doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but uh, it was uh, the middle of October, so it's the best part of a month now. And there's always that little query with him being too fresh. Uh, I reckon Whiskey Cavalier is going to be over the odds here. And um, look, um, Andy's, you know, I don't like putting the moz on Andy, but everything I tipped of his last week won, so I feel like uh, I'll <laughs> stick with a stable that's in form and in form for me. But I reckon, uh, and I tipped Terry last week to win as well, but I think Whiskey Cavalier, and again, I could be misled because of prices that we're looking at on the, the good form side as opposed to anywhere else. If he was $4, I wouldn't be as uh, entertained. If he's $14, I think you've got to have something on him. Yeah. So I've put Whiskey Cavalier on top number five. I think he's ready to win. Uh, six, Captain Balisario. Might just be too good, but 
you know, he, he's shown his hand at times and uh, he was terrific last start, much better for the camp. He must be a, a bit of a, a head-scratcher case for them, but he's very good. Uh, eight Terry and ten better be the bomb. So it's more of a, a group selection, uh, five, six, eight and ten. Um, probably the one that we have to... Well, Ideal Escape's got Chris Elford here. Uh, we talked about him last week about being under the odds. Uh, and, and clearly it turned out that he probably was. But from Barry number one, we, we, you just can't completely ignore him because he yeah. could bob up. And Private Eye, remember the night Private Eye resumed? Look, he's had injuries throughout his career and he'd had the best part of a year and a bit off. And when he when he paraded the, the night, it was the 21st of January 2022, he just... It, you know when you see something, you just think nothing can beat you. Yeah, yeah. And he just looked that way. And I reckon he probably will look that way again, even though he hasn't started since uh, March of last year. Um, I don't want to dismiss him because I know he's very good, but it's also going to be very tough here. It's a good race. Good race, isn't it? You can get value about, I imagine you would get value whenever the prices eventually come up, about uh, any horse in this race. My top four were five, six, eight, and ten. Five, six, eight, and ten for Dan. Yeah, look, I settled on Better Be The Bomb. I was pretty happy with him. I just think he's the most proven horse in the race. Captain Belisario might be the most gifted, but those legs of his uh, let him down a little bit with so many injuries that he's obviously dealing with at all times. Ideal escapes on his last chance, but he gets the pegs run, so he can't be ignored and I just thought Radius is a horse that'll be up in that top five or six. I know he ran six last time. He did work in the middle of the race, and he was only beaten, what, four metres in the end, and he can do some work Radius. So he might be able to get across into a forward position, end up sort of 1-1-3 one, one, back the outside, and he certainly can run in the top four. And I'll tell you what, if they go absolutely crazy in this race and Terry gets a run through, he will run all over the top of him. And uh, best of luck to Matt Painting, who brings Rusty Crackers down from Colamboli. Race three is the tab download the at Mare's Pace. And there's only one horse I'm interested in here, and that's eight Norm's Lady. If we can get each way odds for Norm's Lady, I think she's either going to be on Royal Stars or Jolita's back if Royal Stars gets a run and if Jolita scores up. They're the two asterisks there. Worst case, she's probably only ever going to be three back defence. She'll run top three. She probably wins the race if she's leaders back. I'm very confident she's going to give a great sight. Number eight, Norm's Lady. That's all I'm interested in here, Dan. Okay. Um, yeah, well, look, it might turn out to be okay. Jolita um, was, I don't know what to make of Jolita. What, what, what do we make of Jolita? Well, she has, the last start. she has trouble scoring up and she's not the best gated horse. Uh, she's a bit of a uh, pacing version of Queen of Quebec. They're, they're, <laughs> that's a good summary of it. But I think she's got high ability and uh, I, I reckon they'll be keen to lead on her if they can and get her up to the gate. She'll lead and try and hold the front all the way. It's a bit of pace there, though. Uh, mm. Young, Gifted and Black is the one that's pretty much cherry ripe now and will really uh, test her. Uh, if there's one driver that you want to have on your side to um, a, a expose sit uh, situations, it's Anthony Butt. Uh, he'll be confident with his mare that um, she can push forward, has got the gate speed, might cross anyway. So, um, look, uh, I think Monomia, Monomia beat Young, Gifted and Black uh, last time they met. Monomia then goes into the Queen of the Pacific and to, to just beat a few home in that race... Uh, I think is a feather in, in her cap, if indeed horses uh, wore caps. They have um, hoods, of course, and blinkers, so maybe that qualifies. But 
Look, um, Monomy often needs the pace strong, uh, but she gets plenty of time to wind up. I actually think she's going better now uh, in her last three starts than she had in her previous 10 starts. Um, so yeah. I think it's a good race for her, and she should be each way odds. 11, Monomia, um, from six, Young Gifted and Black, five, Major Fire, and eight, Norm's Lady. Yeah, I think you can't leave out Major Fire. I think it works to the front as well. And, yeah, you had Young Gifted and Black, which was the other one I thought was a great chance. Just for something different, Mick Gurren is going to join us now, and we're going to talk New Zealand Trotting Cup. Dan Malecki's also with us, Mick, now. Last week you said the barrier draw is going to be so important. If one of either Swayze or Akuta draws the front, it's going to be major. But if they both draw the back line, it would seem fitting, and that's exactly what's happened. You had the crystal ball out, and how do you see it now, Mick? Is it a matter of can Cam Hart get ahead of Akuta and get around and get to the front? Is that so important? Yeah, it's sort of flip of a coin. Good, good morning to you, Toby, to all your listeners. Great to be joining Dan again, one of my mates. I don't get a chance to do radio very often with yeah. Dan. Yeah. But, um, no, that's look, right. I, think, I think everybody's of the same opinion. I, I think the form's so exposed, fellas, that everybody sort of knows what to expect. We just don't know which version of it's going to turn up. And I think it's pretty basic. They'll start, the race will go the first couple of hundred, everybody will work themselves out in a standing start. It's basically impossible to work out who that will be, but you're thinking maybe Mossdale, Ben, or Kango would eventually end up in front. And somebody out of Swayze Nakuta is going to launch first. And you would think with the respect they've got on either side of the Tasman and the scalps they have, and the quite long tail to this cup because there's no copy that and no self-assured, whichever one of them comes knocking first, she'll get the lead. And that won't guarantee them the race, but it's a horse you'll probably want to be on about a mile from home. So there might be some other theories, but I think about 90% of people are going to be betting on that and then they're going to say to themselves, who's more likely to get away better Flip of a coin, really, but to a degree, Akuda has a lot more standing start experience, mm. and you would suggest he should handle it, albeit he does step and tends to be a little bit slow, so we know that about him, but we have absolutely no idea what to expect from Swayze. He could be the fastest standing start horse in history, or he could be the worst standing start horse in history, and we simply don't know. Do you think the second row helps him, Dan? The- Swayze? Yeah. Well, maybe because he's got something else to follow. I Look, um, it's a tough ask. It's pretty daunting, isn't it? Um, Mick, you know, I've seen enough of those races live and even horses that traditionally have been more reliable stand-start horses can miss away. The moment can get to them. There's a lot of people, um, you know, Swayze. Uh, look, he, he, like you said, the, the, the book... Um, the bookends are a long way apart or the goalposts are a long way apart. He could do anything from, you know, gallop wildly to beginning like a bullet. And just because he hasn't had that experience doesn't mean he can't begin like a bullet. It's a long way to go if you didn't think he could. Um, but then again, the ho- whichever horse is in front of the other would be the advantage, I imagine. Say 2,000 metres from home, whichever one of the two is in front of the other would be the horse you'd want to be on. Would that be right, Mick? I think very much so, Dan, because they're both so strong. But when you see these horses race week in, week out, and as we see with all the free-for-allers in Melbourne, often they're won by different horses because there's not much between them. But that hasn't been the case with these two. These two just turn up and win. Uh, And I think 
you know, Akuta's clearly better than the other New Zealand horses. So if he gets the front, I don't think be, he'll be there to be run down. I, I can't see him being beat front. Swayze, we don't know enough about the opposition around him because apart from beating Leap to Fame, he, he hasn't really beaten much else, but he did beat Leap to Fame and beat him fair and square with him front. So my concern for Swayze is not about his ability. Uh, and, and him rolling to the front, yes, he becomes the horse to beat. But barrier two on the second line is really claustrophobic, and no matter how much he, he might be fine with it, um, a lot of people look at standing starts and go, who are they following out? And that almost never works. Like When you're stuck from the second line of the standing start, it's incredibly rare you follow out the horse in front of you, get a dream run through, and it's great. What you want to do is have a nice little pod in front of you. You want to have two horses, maybe the two and three, or in Kuda's case, the four and the five, who will go through and punch and create a gap for you rather than coming back in your face. Because you're not just going to sit on the back of another sulky and just follow that horse through. That just never works. It might work occasionally in a mobile, but not standing start. Hey. The problem for him is he's, he's going to get down there and have BD Joe inside him, who doesn't often... I don't think BD Joe's suited to one on the second line. I think it's a bad draw for him. And all of a sudden, he's got horses around him and in front of him, and he's not the master of his own destiny. Whereas a cooter's only got one horse outside it, and he's not a horse who's going to be leaning on him and being a pain in the ass. He's not that sort of horse. Mm. So a cooter's got more escape hatches if he needs to go outside or inside. Swayze's pretty much going to have to take what he gets around him, and that's away from his own manners. The hop will shortness go in him because he's a very long striding horse. So... If you took all the logic into play and the records, you would suggest a cooter is more likely to step efficiently. But that's a guessing game, guys. And, and that's, that's tough for punters. People have their own views on standing starts. The New Zealand Cup's never going to be a mobile. And it's a great race as a standing start. And maybe that uncertainty adds to it. And that's why you're getting, you know, sort of each a two, 2.5, depending on where you shop. Because... We don't know what's going to happen, and, and maybe that makes the New Zealand Cup the race it is. How important Majestic Cruiser to all of this, Mick? And it sounds strange because he's not in the race, but he ran second last year, trained by Jason Grimson, and I'm sure he would have learned a lot from that experience. Yeah, like they've been here. I always want to back people who have been here and done that. Mm. I think Cameron Hart's really important. I think if it was one of those old-school Australian drivers from back in the day who only knew one way, when they used to send them all, that's a bloody hard way to win a New Zealand Cup. But Cameron Hart has won major races in New Zealand, but he's also run second in a New Zealand Cup, a New Zealand free-for-all, and a race by Grins. And each time he drove the horse patiently. So he has the options to handle big track driving better than, say, maybe some of the drivers in the old days. Um, so I think Cameron's crucial to it. Jason would have learned a bit Jason's horses, when they're in form, just seem to run through brick walls and can do absolutely anything. And they very, really run placings. They either win or they go terrible. That's that's. I watch a lot of an angle harness racing, and there's a lot. It's like binary code. There's a lot of one zero one zero one zero about it. Yeah, yeah. So he could come out and win the New Zealand Cup by three lengths. And I wouldn't be surprised. He could gallop away and finish last, and I wouldn't be surprised. And there's no disrespect to that. Rock and roll dude did it last year, and Courage Under Fire once came to New Zealand for an Auckland Cup standing start, galloped away and never took part in the race because it's such a massive disadvantage for Australian horses because they don't do it very often. 
he could finish, as Dan said, as a bookend statement, first or last, and neither thing would surprise me. Yeah. Dan? Um, we're if we're, we're a Fakuda yeah. finished last, you'd yeah. be done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, Mark and uh, Nathan Purden uh, teaming up together, but when was the last time they've only had one horse in a, in a New Zealand Cup? Um, mind you, it's a pretty good horse to have, but I want to get your perhaps your tip on the New Zealand Cup, and there's a few other races I want to ask you about, Mick. I just wonder if the best horse racing on the day is a filly, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, the... Two horse, a Republican Party has defeated um, Akuta before. It's a four-year-old as well. Um, Old Town Road, we know and know pretty well. It must be capable of winning this race. And and a new horse that's in the scene, I, I, look, I don't know how good it is, but it's the other four-year-old, and that is Beach Ball. Yeah, well, Beach, Beach Ball's got no chance, but he, he's in form, so he could run top five. Um, Republican Party has beaten Akuta when things have suited him to beat Akuta. Doesn't mean he can't win again, but I'm not sure two miles is his go. He's my third pick in the race because he's well prepared and he'll be well driven by Blair Orange. Old Town Road's had ringworm this week and it's been in his hopple areas, giving him hopple chase. Now, he missed the cup trial because of that. They've treated it and he worked this morning at Addington in 3 5, quarter and 26. So he needed that blowout. That's a lot quicker than you would usually work them in New Zealand for that sort of last, second last hoppled run. But I think they're going to drive him for speed. Uh, I don't think they can afford to be roughing and tumbling with him because he's not ready to do that. So there are factors. Um, I actually think that he's a nice enough place bet in the race, if you're mm-hmm. that sort of person. Tango's mm-hmm. $8 a place. Well, Tango's not as good as these, and it was terrible in Victoria, but plenty of horses don't handle racing in either countries. Mac Dan come to New Zealand and couldn't run past a horse, and it's a very proficient horse in Australia. Tango mm-hmm. suits New Zealand. He suits New Zealand starts. He's very big. He could potentially lead and hand to one of those other horses, and there's not much between Kango and the other horses Dan just spoke about. So if he's sitting in the trail, yes, he can be a factor. So I'm not saying he's going to win the race because he won't, but he could run top four, top three types in Kango. Um, to talk about those other races, it's a very strong support card. It's one of the stronger New Zealand Cup support cards we've had away from the trotters. The trotters these days aren't as big a deal because they're taking the free-for-all off there and put it in December, which is probably okay because I don't think they want to go free-for-all Dominion three days apart. But Millwood Nike's the filly Dan's talking about. She's up against Maintra Blue, who's also unbeaten the Neverly R final. The two-year-old boys are really strong. Um, the Purden Barn versus the other Purden Barn because Cold Chisel is in there, and he's he's a really good horse. Um and we've got Merlin versus Don't Stop Dreaming, who are yeah. both three-year-olds preparing for the New Zealand Derby. They're taking on the older horses, but um, the older horses they're taking on probably aren't as good as them. And they've also got the outside two draws. What's happened, guys, is all day the arch rivals, the match race horses, have all drawn the second lines from outside of the front. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to make for a bloody good day because you put a lot of those horses at barrier two or three and one on the second line, you've got a dollar thirty versus six dollars. As it is now, is Merlin don't stop dreaming at two point seven versus two point eight. And I think punters like that because once they've made their decision, or even if they're someone like me who likes to be big and make a book for themselves, I'll be more than comfortable having a decent bet on both those horses because one of them's going to win. 
and I'm going to get 35% profit on my money or 40% profit on my money. I'd be totally comfortable with that. But for those who don't like to be it that way, you've got the option all day, even on Millwood Nike, who's usually $1.5, $1.10, you've got the option to back it at $2 because it's drawn the outside of the second line. So I think it's a really good punter's day, guys. And it's a day where if you're willing to be smart and, and not believe in fairy tales and take horses who are going to be up against the market pegs, you can make good money. Millwood, Nike, uh, 15 starts, 15 wins. So you're led to believe this is the female version of a courage under fire when they've got a record like that. But um, how, how good is she? Or is it the bunch of three-year-olds she's up against, are they not good enough? Or is she spectacular? Because for a horse with such a record outside of New Zealand, you know, we really haven't heard a lot about her. It's a funny thing, Dan. It, it, the media's become two vastly different things between Australia and New Zealand. And, and I, I absolutely get it. And we're seeing more of it come into play in New Zealand now because Entain have taken over. Like, a lot of Australian racing coverage is very cartoonish. And it's good fun. I enjoy it. I, I totally understand it. I was watching some of the Twitter feeds the other day and the TOB's putting out stuff of, you know, pretty blonde girls who play football tipping their horse in the next race because it, it gets a lot of guys. They want to watch it. And I'll have a bet. I totally understand it. But what's happened is, is now any horse in Australia who wins five races, like we saw Captain Ravishing yesterday, who got his ass kicked at Yarra Valley, they've become the best horse in the world. And we, we have these problems of filling this stuff up because there's no... Everybody's too scared to say, that's not true. Whereas in New Zealand, there's a far bigger stick walking around. Like we don't put up with that shit. And if someone said to me, this is the greatest three-old filly ever, we'd say, no, that's not true. Because she's not as good as a door me. But what you find with the New Zealand horses is if Millwood Nike was living in Australia, she would be the greatest horse ever. If she was living in Perth, she might be the greatest animal of the world. <laughs> but people in, New Ze- people in New Zealand don't put up with that crap. Um, and, the, and the reason we don't put up with it, I take it really seriously, is because it's disrespectful to a door me or courage under fire or all these other horses. I heard a caller recently, say at the Valley, and it wasn't, I'd say at, at Malfrey, and it wasn't you, Dan, because you've been down too long for this shit, but I heard someone say that Maori's idol was the greatest equine ever born. Better than Secretariat. Yeah. And no one seems to check it. It's, it's become a very Australian thing. I don't know why. I think it's the bookies. I think it's because the bookies have so much power over there. And it's just a game of hype. Bet with mates, I'm going to yell at the TV, I'm going to yell at Twitter, and everybody's going to believe me. Mm. And Millwood Nike's really good. And Mark Purden told me last week she might win the derby if she starts. She's not going to because she's in the Oaks. But the two cultures of racing have enormously changed. And I spent a lot of time at Ascot in Europe, and they have really good horses race up there, but you don't see that same thing. Yet in America and Australia, that beatification of horses has become completely out of control. Now, it started with Captain Ravishing, who hasn't won a race hasn't won a race since it was declared the best horse in the world. And then it started with poor old League to fame, and he's been beaten in three of his last four starts. And what you do is you piss people off because the punters bet on this information and go, oh, well, that bloke Karen or Hamilton or whoever, Maleki, they said this is the best horse in the world and just got beat at $1.20. And it's, it's something I don't know how you control it. I don't know how we go back to it. I've spoken to guys like Danny Power, the old school horseman about it. But it's become such a thing now, this race to call this the best in the world, or that terrible, terrible term, the GOAT, which is the most overused, ridiculous <laughs> term in the world. Because people use it for both Damien Oliver and James McDonald. They can't both be the GOAT. That's actually not what that means. 
And I, do, I think it's the bookies. I absolutely do because there's so many channels of information. So to answer your question, Millwood Nike, if she was an Australian horse, would be declared an absolute superstar off the planet. But she's not yet because she hasn't proven she is. And she hasn't proven she's better than Adore Me, who had a very similar record at the same age. So that's why you haven't heard much about it, Dan, because over here, nonsense gets clobbered a lot quicker because we only have one or two streams of information. Whereas in Australia, when you have 100 streams of information and mm. you have some 19-year-old kid tipping your horse, that 19-year-old kid has to say something to get his name up in light. They have to because it's so hard to get over top of Ron Duffersey or Michael Felgat or whoever else your expert is. And it's, um, I'm really stringent on it because I don't think we should disrespect Farlap or we shouldn't disrespect Secretariat. And I love Mary's Idol, but the first time someone tells me Mary's Idol is better than Farlap or Secretariat, I just turn off. Mick, yeah. uh, we, we've got to keep moving along, and that was the greatest segment of all time, and you are the best correspondent ever, Mick. Um, the goat. <laughs> the greatest in the world. Um, those Dan and those Matt Hill, as you know these days, gentlemen, there's a lot of goats floating around. It's a big paddock full of goats. Yeah, no, you, you're totally right there. Um, you you got you just got to stop and think every now and then. You can get caught up um, uh, using uh, uh, almost like peer group pressure, yeah, saying things that people want to hear as opposed to um, calling it correctly. We need a winner or two. I know you're the man, and you're still a few days away from um, the, the big big race day. Is there anything else through the course of the day uh, that yep. you I've could got, suggest got, we have something on? Nice and easy, Dan, to, 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 to digest easily. Markets are open. Play these. Race two, Charlie Brown. Race two, Charlie Brown. Race three, confessional. Race three, confessional. And with a little bit of a manners concern, but she can trot like hell, race 10, Elizabeth Hill. A cooter in the cup, as best I can work it out. I don't really think I know any more than anybody else does when it comes to the cup. I think Merlin can beat Don't Stop Dreaming. But if you go Charlie Brown, confessional, Elizabeth Hill, and a cooter and play around those, Dan, I don't reckon you'll do too much damage to yourself on Tuesday. <laughs> okay. if, if there's any damage done, it's not because I've taken your tips. <laughs> hey, the goat, Dan. <laughs> he is the goat. There's plenty of goats out there, Dan. You can take whatever tips you want, brother. Mick, <laughs> Mick Gurren is the goat. So those tips are race two, number six, Charlie Brown. This is for Tuesday Cup Day. And I'll recap these next Tuesday for anyone listening. Race two, number six, Charlie Brown. Race three, number five, Confessional. Race ten, number seven, Elizabeth Hill. And Mick is pinning his hopes to Akuda, the Kiwi. So in that case, we'll be going Swayze. If you're there Tuesday, brother, I'll be here at Addington. Give us a ring. I'd love to talk to everybody. As you know, the uh, the ECNZ audience is a very important part of our life. So we'll be rocking and rolling for there on Tuesday. If you want some atmosphere, we'll yep. have a chat. Yep, we'll tee that up in the in the meantime, Mick. Thanks so much, mate. Love love the chat as always. Always a pleasure, boys. Race four is the Dynamic Print Group pace, and ever since Greg Sugars was. Trying to decide who he would drive in, I think it was the Vic Bread final with VMG McRae or the Oaks final. I've really taken notice of her and she had a terrible rundown of barrier draws through those two series. And she gets back, she finally draws a gate, gate one at Tarang, and she's got El Boston next to her, which meant that she got crossed. 
I think she's a much better horse than most of these, and I'm pretty happy to have her on top. I'm not sure what odds we'll get for her. Blood Moon is racing so well. Harenya's a horse that at least we know programming's resumed as normal for Harenya, who draws gate six at uh, Melton. He's draws at Melton, I mean, seven, six, second row, five, seven, and six. So uh, he has suffered from barrier draws as well and does so again, but he's a very nice horse. They were clearly the top three, I thought. Yeah, look, I like Harania each way. Um, it's had that run back from a spell. Definitely got a lot of ability. Often a get-back horse. Needs a bit of pace on. VMG McRae, don't want to get sucked in again at the short odds. She's a good mare. There's no doubt about that. But from a punting perspective, she's been beaten as a $1.30 and $1.40 um, in recent times. Um, she can win, but, you know, you wouldn't want to go chips in, would you, at, at that sort of price, if indeed she is. Not again, price, not uh, knowing what the prices are at the moment can't really make that assessment but as far as her winning chances are concerned they're very strong vmg mccray uh, blood moon's going probably career best form i would think and um and twisted bliss is another that i would say is is close enough to if not in her career best form as well a few others you could make cases for smallish field but i think a race that's got a, a bit of depth to it particularly if you are happy to to take on what i presume will be a short price favorite in vmg mccray but i liked harania each way six two eight five yeah i think if you can get 650 with a harania you're definitely a very safe each way bet he's a very talented horse he won that tassie derby uh seems like a long time ago now though Race five at Melton is the Lifestyle Communities Trot, and I'm not sure I can make cases, more cases why horses can win this or why they can't. I've got three horses I think seriously can win the race, numbers one, two, and three, Illawong Lara, Moon Walker, and Queen of Quebec, but I think perhaps everybody loves me is the safest horse to run in the top three. I'm perplexed about this race, Dan. I'm hoping you can help me a little bit further. No, not really. You've um, uh, you have brought to light exactly what I was thinking oh, with the, the main three being the top three. Everybody loves me being a good chance Crossing. of uh, a, a long shot win because it's got the gate speed. And the only other one I could probably add into the mix would be number nine Jakarta on it, on its better performances. I think it'd be a good chance as well. Uh, wasn't sure who to put on top. Maybe it's a good chance for Moonwalker, number two, racing against good quality horses, comes through the uh, the derby. And it was a good solid run. I mean, often has to do work in its races, um, just below the best, I think. So this looks a suitable race. Illawong Lara J stepping it up, uh, winning two of the last three. And Queen of Quebec's horse we always follow. And she, look, she's in the zone. Like she, she racing well enough. She could start favourite in this race, but certainly be one of the key chances. So I'm 2, 1, 3 and 9. Um, yeah, no, don't know that I've actually got my head fully around it, but again, it might come down to price. If Moonwalker was $10, um, I'd be entertained to want to have something on uh, him each way, but if he's $3.10, I, I probably would pass. Yeah, well, he's not going to be $10, surely. If he's $10, Moonwalker... Well, I don't know. What are we working with at the moment? Oh, well, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, let, let's not go down that track again. I'm, I'm, I think we're all over it. It's so difficult. But if he's, if either of those top three are ten dollars, and nearly throw Jakarta into that, they're the horse you'd be backing. And if everybody mm. loves me, if you can get say three, four dollars a place, everybody loves me. I'm confident it will get across and get to the front. Kuna Quebec's got no gate speed, so Jason will be able to really angle straight across. And I think Illawong Lara Joe will be happy to hand up. Everybody loves me. Because Greg Sugars knows that it'll hold the front. 
was pretty good in the matchmaker mile. So just not sure the 2240 suits everybody loves me, but uh, best of luck yeah. to uh, Brad Stevens. And yeah, it's a tricky race. And you just, there's other horses in the race, like a Royal Charlotte drawn seven, Builder Bob has, has put the foundations down. It's a little bit of charm. And yeah, who, who knows that race? So good luck and play. You're on a roll, aren't you? Pretty wide in the lifestyle community's trot. Race six is the good form on the trots.com.au trot. I'm glad I'm not reading that out as they're scoring up. I think a new good form about too. So um, keep an eye on uh, looking for the extra bits of information updated um, uh, on on good form. So uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that uh, extra bit of information. It all helps in trying to find a winner. Yeah, look, I don't think we're going to be on different pages here, Dan. Is Keyang Ignite just a level above these? Yes. Yeah, he he he's on top for me. I thought Zarum was probably going to be value. He seems to always be value Zarum and a win over Kai Valley Hotspur, who won the Yarra Valley Cup yesterday. The penny drops and hatchback looks pretty good form to her. If you can get the usual sort of three, four dollars, the place for him to run second, perhaps he's worth a little trickle on for for a place. But uh, I think Keying Ignite on top for me. How'd you see the rest? Yeah, I'm I'm Keying Ignite. I can't look past him. Um, He's got something pretty special about him, hasn't he? Yeah. He, he, he does have that class factor. There's no doubt about that. He'll continue to rise, and as long as he stays sound, we'll see him in Group 1 races uh, sooner uh, rather than later. I think Love Gun can be respected. At Love Gun's best, he, he's a pretty good horse. He took some pretty good scalps at one stage through uh, his preparation. Um, he, he's had a bit of a freshen up since going to, uh, to, to Menangle. It's about five weeks between Rarry One. I could make a case for if you were taking a quaddy and wanted something else just in case. Yep. Um, maybe you need that assurance with him. He's a good horse, love gun. And now back with Jess and Greg. Uh, Hot to Trot's getting closer, number four, and uh, and then Central Otago. But seven clearly on top. I think uh, Love Gun at his absolute best, and Keyhang Ignite was not quite at his top. It could bring them closer together. Seven, one, four, and three. How do you make – Steve Cleave has a little theory that horses go better when they return to Melton after a trip away to Menangle. Have you ever felt that or noticed that? Well, I mean, there's probably a couple of different ways you could look at that and whether they're not as comfortable travelling away from home, a different yeah, type of track, or depending on how long they're up there for, if it's for a number of starts with a different stable – Poor, poor runs, they can probably lose a few points, drop in, in grade. Um, there's there's a number of different ways to, I guess, look at that. But uh, Love Gun, I think you've got to take that into account for Love Gun here back with Jess and Greg because they certainly were getting the best out of him um, through around August, wasn't it? He put a couple of wins together uh, yeah. and then after that oh, he probably went off, which made them want to send him uh, away somewhere else. Yeah, he's a tricky horse to assess for me. I just never really got him right. And... Uh, and Copacabana could run a race as well for Kyle Marshall and Josh Dickey. Race seven is a Pride's Easy Feed uh, MO, effectively. No Metro win. Uh, pace, it's over 1,200 metres. And it's a curious case, this. L Boston, he's got such high gate speed, but he's had six goes over 1,200 metres. He's run eighth on four occasions, which there's only ever eight in a race. So... Uh, he's a curious case, El Boston, Lorimer Major. Alex Ashwood's real, been really good over the 1,200-metre races, picking the right horses and training them appropriately. And then 
you get further down the list and Jewelby Jack Sparrow's hard to assess. Rocky Monaloo was really good, but it's a go-back horse. And Beach Hopper's had two runs in these for two wins, Dan. Two runs, two wins, good enough for me. Beach Hopper, three from three, I reckon. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think it's a, a tough races to end on. I still haven't quite worked them out yet. Um, uh, they're competitive betting races, uh, and that's that's a good thing. Um, look, I'm really not sure here. Um, I'm not saying I'm picking numbers, but I'm just not sure. I can't even... Uh, I'm supposed to give a tip, and therefore I am. Um, <laughs> but um, I think an individual's thoughts might be better than mine on this in this occasion. Um Seven, nine, eight, and two. Seven, eight, nine, eight, and seven, nine, eight, and two. Really not sure. Uh, just back to the Breeders' Crown. I, I sorry, I only caught the back end of what you were saying, and I may have missed it completely. Um, but I think with only a couple of heats, all the horses that will go straight through to the semi-finals in all of the heats that we've seen this week, and the two-year-olds, and even tonight, a uh, bit of a, a lack of numbers there. So I don't think any horse misses out to go to the semis. No, they don't. So they've they've followed up with their text. They're talking about the trotters for next Wednesday. So uh, yeah, they've just dropped. So they've said there's some big names missing in the two-year-olds. So yep, that that's good. And thank you. Uh, but it's a bit hard while we're doing this show to be uh, for me to be uh, going through that. So text in, who are the big names missing from the two-year-old Trotters Breeders Crown Heats, which open up next Wednesday at Maryborough. So, uh, Dan with Jillby, Jack Sparrow, and ultra-confident you sound too, Dan. Race eight, the Carrards, no Metro win pace. This is effectively the consolation from race seven, I suppose you would say, or the second division. So... Victory George, who's first emergency in race seven, he goes around into this race, which you would think would make him a clear top tip, but it's a it's a even harder race perhaps to assess. But Sidewinder is a horse whose figure form is terrible, but I think Ash Markham's driving really confidently at the moment. I expect him to drive confidently, and he's only been leader leaders back twice since coming to Victoria, Bud Sidewinder, and he won on one of those occasions and ran fourth on the other, so. He's a horse that if he goes around 20, 30 to 1 or something like that in this race, it wouldn't shock me to see him perform really well. Chappie Street North, I've seen at Yarra Valley and Cranbourne, was ultra impressive. This horse moves really well, Dan. And obviously from his history, he's moved really poorly at times as well in a gallop. Uh, I think he's probably the best horse in the race and the hardest to beat. Uh, you just... I'm not 100% sold that he's over everything. Connor Crook's done a wonderful job. The two crooks make a right here, as he was a bit crook, I think, before he got there. Then there's Kiora Beauty, Jude's Dude, who's been ultra consistent in these races, and Vapor Fire, and Blaster Rangers, an intriguing runner, with Glenn Williams returning to the Sulky. Haven't seen him for a few years. Uh, yep, good luck, Dan, and pick some numbers again, please. <laughs> yeah, Blaster Ranger hasn't raced since March 2022, but it is a very quick beginner. Um, just uh, makes it a bit more perplexing. I, I look again. Um, I, I just I can't quite work out the race. Um, so I'd prefer uh, not to be misleading and um, and and be open, transparent. That I've I've almost got no idea here. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, that often you'll say that on a day where you're not confident, you can tip six winners. So yeah, yeah. there's no wrong or right, is there? But um, um, four Jellyby JC, nine Kiora Beauty, seven Vapor Fire. Five Chappie Street North, but um, I, um, I I think it, uh, it'd be a leg of the quaddy that uh, you'd, you'd be only feeling confident if you had the field. 
Yeah, four nine seven and five for Dan, and I was five one four and three, which uh, shows the difference in opinions. And in race seven, Dan seven nine eight and two, and I was nine three two and eight. So when they're eight horse races and we're picking six of them in the top four, uh, it shows how even they are and how hard they are to work yeah. out. But the beauty about it is, if you do like a horse in one of these races, you seem to be able to get good value about them, and I think that's what's been so attractive to the punters. Let's, Look, it has. Uh, yeah. One one area, though, that's been a problem, I think, we're talking about these uh, fixed odds prices not coming up for whatever reason, but um, it, it reflects poorly on the, on the harness racing industry, I think, um, but more so with the 1,200-metre races because the volatility of uh, uh, prices, particularly in the last few minutes, just goes out the window. I've seen some of the most ridiculous um, drifts on horses through these 1,200-metre races a lot can happen. Um, so we need those sort of prices up earlier um, to encourage someone to have a bit of a bet on things they're going to shorten up and vice versa. So um, they're very challenging in a lot of ways, um, but they're open enough that every horse that goes there is going to have a chance. Here are the panel's best. Welcome back. Dan's been on fire two weeks ago, four from four last week. Two out of four winners. The other two ran second, and fortunately, it was one of my best beaten your home, Dan, Diamond Eclipse. So uh, we'll still claim it. And uh, I think at this time last week, I said Serge Blanco could run in a Hunter Cup, and he's since won two cups and put his name up in lights. Let's hear your best for Melton on Saturday night. Okay, I haven't got an outright best bet, but I've uh, lent each way to my two best for the night. So the, well, we haven't got prices to work with, yeah, so again, know, it, it doesn't help how I'm trying to um, get the messages across into the suggested bets. So um, race two, number five, Whiskey Cavalier. Uh, I think he, he's a good play each way, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll get reasonable value about him. And race four, number six, Harania. Again, uh, each way. So uh, race two, number five, race four, number six, but both on the each way basis. Yeah, both each way. And and really you're looking for, say, five to one, six to one, somewhere in that vicinity? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, we're, the best um, guide we've got are yeah. the prices that are put up by Craig Rail on the Good Form website. And um, uh, that's what we're working off. If some of those prices are accurate, well, I would be entertained. There's no doubt about that. But it could also go the other way. And um, and that's why I didn't want to tip something like a Keying Ignite. It could be a dollar ten. You know what I mean? We yeah. just don't know. But um, I'm happy enough with those two each way, anyhow. Rightio, my best is at Albion Park tonight. It's a first starter. Race two, number two, Mac O'Reilly uh, for Team Butt. Uh, train this horse. There is a McKinnon in the ownership of this, and it's uh, my brother. Uh-huh. Now, Artie's Miracles opened $1.25, first up from New Zealand, and Garrick Knight said if this horse wins, it should be renamed Chantel's Miracle because it'll be a miracle training performance by Chantel Turpin. So off that basis, uh, let's have a little something on Mac O'Reilly. It's 17 and 270. Uh, It's staggeringly long overs. So uh, I'll kick it off as my best and... As I did last week, I'll put up a game plan on Twitter and and put up Dan's best and tips as well on Twitter tomorrow once we've got some prices because I think if we're going to get good value, Captain Braveheart, we could have a little each way on him. 
If we get 12 to 1 Norm's Lady, uh, I may quit judging and get involved there uh, because I don't bet because of the, my judging commitments. I think everybody loves me. Might be good value of the place uh, and then Beach Hopper maybe the win if we can get sort of 4 or $5. And if Bud Sidewinder was 50 to 1, I'd have something on it. But it is, as we have belted on about for a number of weeks, very difficult without prices. And uh, we thank Craig Rail for what he does because he gives us some idea.